Welcome back to the Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable Dynasty perspective. I'm Jake. I'm joined, as always, by Tim. We'll be hijacking the Digest from Skyler and Wyatt to give you each an episode throughout the week, each week of the offseason, to give you uh, a bonus episode, we should say, where we discuss the misvalued players on Keep Trade Cut, which is a crowdsource calculator and rankings tool. But before we dive into this week's players, Gotta roll that intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I'm like, I'm, I'm in for death, taxes, and the 2022 water receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. N- no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really, I had not, I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Before we jump into this, in case you missed it, we are officially sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. For those unfamiliar, Underdog is our favorite website for best ball drafts and is a great way to scratch that draft itch that we all have this time of the year. Today's episode especially is coming out on the day of the NFL draft, so I know you, like us, are ready for drafts. First-time users can sign up with code JWB and receive a deposit match of up to $100. And then 90% of you are still not subscribed, so you guys got to fix that. So make sure you subscribe, hit the notification bell so you guys do not miss out on any of our full shows, and like this video if you like the video. You might as well hop into our Discord while you're down there as well. Link uh, can be found in the video description as well as a link to our Patreon. So make sure you join that as well for any of the behind-the-scenes content that the JWB team gives to the world. And without further ado, Tim, we're not starting with players right away this week. We have a little conversation we want to preface everything with. So why don't you go ahead and intro that? Yeah, now that we're in draft season and you're, this comes out day of the draft, there's just some things to consider when making trades. And, and I just have a few things that really kind of weigh on my mind is that you really need to understand where the tiers begin and stop. Because, yes, it may look good on paper to make a move, but you really have to be aware of the options that you're giving yourself when making those trades as well. Like um, trading for running backs is kind of can kind of be finicky or be risky. So you have to understand those risks going in, not saying there aren't running backs that should be bought right now, or there aren't running backs that should be sold right now. It's just more or less understanding the dynamics of those players and how they'll relate to different teams in your league and how they'll value them. Because for example, if you're looking to buy a running back, he ends up getting replaced or he has competition brought in or Joe Mixon gets cut and he's brought in or whatever. There's just so many unknowns that happen right now. We haven't even discussed injuries either. So there's just so many things that can pop up that can impact a running back's value. And it's, it's April. So you don't even need them until September, which they may become more expensive at at that time, but just things to consider when, when um, making trades. So I have other things. If there's if there's anything you'd like to add, I, I have some other stuff we can follow up with as well. Yeah, I agree. It's all about knowing the marketplace. And, and right now, some player values are going to be you know depressed. They're going to be a little bit easier to acquire. Some players are going to be a lot harder to acquire. It's probably a lot harder to get Garrett Wilson than it was two days ago, even though we all knew Aaron Rodgers was going to get up there. You got to recognize that market there. And the best time to trade a draft pick if you are moving any draft capital is about... The day this episode comes out, uh, once players start to get drafted and then your rookie drafts start, the second the rookie draft start is the most valuable that pick is going to be. So if you're thinking about moving into your capital, if you're thinking about trying to trade back, anything like that, wait until you're on the clock at this point in the year, just because it gives you a really great opportunity to get the most possible value for your assets, which is really what we're trying to do here. Yeah. So that's a big, that's a big important thing is that you want to know when to leverage the picks and leveraging them on the clock is probably going to be the best bet. 
a lot of the times you're going to get offers this week as well as post draft and before the rookie draft of replaceable roster clocking players that yes, they may be of value based on what they produced in prior years or whatnot. Like for example, like Damian Harris is a really good uh, example of this. Yeah. He switched teams. He may have a great role on the bills. We don't know. We don't know who they're going to trade in for or anything like that. So any, any opportunity that someone wants to trade them to you, that, that option or that offer is not going away um, even at the rookie draft. So, you can kind of sit or wait on those unless it's just a steal of a trade that finding out what's going to be on the clock is going to give you best information as well as like we said, best leverage. But once again, you you just don't know what that role is going to be like where they bring someone else in or whatnot. There's just a lot of risk coming in where you can, if, if the offers here now, it's going to be available later for sure. Something else to consider is to really understand what your lineup is like. Like, where are you at in your dynasty um, life or life cycle of your of your roster? Because it may be that you want to go target some of these guys that we've already told you to go buy, but you're not in that setting to go buy because you're not a contender or you are rebuilding. So giving up future capital may not be the best bet for you. Yeah, it's and that's the understanding your situation is the biggest part of this. When we, when we're telling you to buy and sell players, a lot of the times we are looking at it on a little bit of a more short-sighted approach, um, especially this time of the year, you know, redraft seasons right around the corner. That's the mindset that even a lot of dynasty managers are in right now. So it's really about understanding that. Like if you're thinking, I don't have a running back one, I need to draft my running back one in this class. You're probably not an uber competitive team. Same if you think Will Levis is going to like make, like if you need Will Levis, cause you need a quarterback two on your team, you're probably not that competitive of a team. You need to understand where you're at and know when you can, you know, put all your chips in the basket and when you need to take a, take a step back, try to maximize some value there. Cause you're on the clock 106. Will Levis ends up being a top five pick for some reason. You know, you have the opportunity to move that pick for somebody who's going to overpay for him. Even though Will Levis in theory helps your team as your quarterback too. If you're not competitive team, you want to just stack as many assets as you can that could become more valuable. So there's ways to pivot out of situations and make sure that you are getting the most bang for your buck for these guys and picks. Yes, yeah. and definitely understanding risk because it could be. I'm not a Levis fan. He's actually to me, he's a second round pick in my ranks. But Agreed. There's always the chance that someone wants to take the risk on them, or they already have two or three quarterbacks, and they're maybe ages 30 to 35 and they they're in a solidified role but you may want a chance at upside where a team that has the ability to both stomach the cost as well as the risk if he doesn't pan out they may be maybe a little bit um in a better position to make those moves to uh take those risks where they could completely absorb it if it doesn't work out where if you're rebuilding yes you may need a quarterback but it may not be the best to um, put that much in terms of draft capital into one player that's so risky. But this isn't a Will Levis thing. It's more or less just a, an example mm-hmm. for a theory or thought process. Yeah. I mean, just to reference back to keep trade cut, because that's what we're always talking about here. Four of the five players who have gained the most value over the last 30 days are rookies, incoming rookies, not even good ones at that. So now is the best time to take advantage of that rookie fever and you know, maximize your capital here. One of my favorite uh, things I've recognized on keep trade cut this week was that Jordan Addison is worth less than a mid to late 24 or I'm sorry, mid to late 23 first. So he's already 
considered less valuable than where you're going to have to draft them, which is pretty interesting to me. I'm not saying it's correct, just saying that that's a really interesting uh, observation that Keep Trade Cut is producing right now. If you don't need any more proof, if you need any more proof that picks are the most insulated asset that you can possibly have, it's that example right there. But without, unless you have anything else to add, Tim, who is mispriced this week on Keep Trade Cut? This week I'm going with DeAndre Hopkins. It being the fact that based on pick price, his cost is 204 right now. And as we did the redraft with Skyler um, uh, about three or four, maybe a, maybe a month ago, I did with Skyler. We redrafted the last four draft classes. And the 204 in each one of those classes was A.J. Dillon, um, Khalil Herbert, and Chig. So I'm not saying that these guys are going to produce more or less over time. Then Hopkins, what I'm saying is Hopkins ceiling is much better than what their ceiling is. And Hopkins is much more likely to hit that ceiling. For example, if we were just kind of look at his fantasy finishes uh, last year, his points per game average was 13th at 13.3, 16th at 12.9, 8th at 15.1 and 5th at 15.2. So he's been a, a very high level producer. And then if we even want to go back to the Keenan argument, the Keenan argument uh, we made last week. Um, if we want to compare the uh, the uh, targets per game, 7.1, 4.2, 7.2, 6.9, and 6.4, which is actually better than what Keenan, Keenan Allen was averaging in those same um, time frames, as well as fantasy points per target, 2.8, 3.5, 3.03, 2.5, and 2.8, where Keenan is 2.9, 2.4, 2.9, 2.5, 2.6, and 2.7. So they're in the same ballpark, but he's actually producing better. He's wide receiver 41 on keep trade cut. He's actually my wide receiver 34 right now. He's at the top of a tier where he could easily move up and jump in the next tier. And then the rank really could kind of move around. But just for instance, you're trading that 204 and you're a competing team. You're going to get much better production from, from Hopkins for the next one, two, three years at least then most likely that 204 gives you over the lifetime of 204 because of the fact that they're just not those high level players in the second round. You're more or less hoping to, to hit on someone, but the likelihood that that happens just isn't the same. Yeah. And I mean, with Hopkins, like outside of 2021 where he was often injured and then suspended, he's he averages 10 targets a game for the past five, four of the last five years. Like the dude is just going to get volume. I don't care what team he goes to. Oh, he's... yeah. That was receptions, by the way, the ones I quoted. Yeah. So just to he... make sure I have to clear up if I had to. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, so yeah, over 10 targets a game. Like the guy, his, he's not going anywhere. He's going to continue to be the focal point of whatever offense he goes to. My sleeper pick here is the Lions. Now that JMO is suspended for six games, you know, throw a second round pick at Arizona's way. They're not going to say no at this point, getting that contract off their books on a non-competitive year for them. But I mean, the dude played nine games last year. He's wide receiver nine points per game. Like, again, we're just fading players because they get old, but that just means they get cheaper and they're still going to produce. Sure, he's going to hit a point where he falls off. But if you're worried about what D-Hop is doing in 2025, like... I guess you in theory should, but for a second round pick, it's a 25% hit rate anyway. I guarantee you that there's a better than 25% chance D hop. If he plays games next year is going to be more productive to your team. It's just end of story. And the one season he didn't hit 10 targets a game. He actually averaged more points per target that entire season that he yeah. played. He played 10 games. So as you're saying, he's, he's going to produce. Yeah. 
the the production's not going anywhere. He was productive last year, even with Colt McCoy at quarterback for a chunk of the season. Like, he's fine. Don't worry about D Hop. Just purchase if you're competitive. And if you're non-competitive, don't be afraid to sell him either. Like, if you're a bad team and you can get a, a, a 24 for you know a if you can get a 24 first for him or even a 25 first, you know, if we're worried about what he's doing in 25, if you can get that pick now to, to up your roster up there. It, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, it's all about knowing your windows. And if you don't have the window to buy him, but hopefully you do, let's be real. We want to win championships. We want these points. Know what you're doing. Just pay attention to the market here. Something else too, with that, that trading him away, it's appropriate to make sure that you're framing it correctly as well. The mm-hmm. same way that we were talking about making the trades before with the tiers and things like that. Even understanding your resources when it comes to making trades, like go and look at multiple resources before we make a trade. But going back to Hopkins, you frame him as the fact that he's he's doing exactly what he's doing, where he's he's still sitting in that top uh, 16 in terms of point, point per game over the last four or five seasons, that he gets the massive amount of target shares that's even better than the top 36 on average or even the top 36 at position uh, over the season in terms of both targets and receptions. He's doing everything you want to do, want him to do. So I wouldn't sell him short is more or less what I'm saying. Agreed. Frame him out as that he is this level producer. You do demand this back in trade, and it should be a first. Agreed. All right, moving on to my player for this week. I got to sell for you. I know we said at the beginning, maybe don't sell running backs right now, but this one... Based on the market, I think you can still get away with selling him. And that player is Damian Pierce. Uh, Damian Pierce is currently valued by Keep Trade Cut and the community as running back 17, which is roughly equal to Dallas Goddard, Jared Goff, Christian Kirk, Chris Godwin, Hollywood Brown. Some pretty good company to be in uh, as a fantasy asset, but he's not at that level for me. He's, he's my running back 28. Maybe that's a little harsh on him. Maybe it's a little low. He was running back 20 in points per game last year. So, you know, it's below what he put out last year. But here's why I have that as my idea. I was maybe his biggest fan coming out of college. I had him up in my ranks pretty consistently uh, as my running back five or six in the class for for most of the process, even when people, you know, people didn't really come around on him until later on in the process. And, you know, when he got the landing spot he got, we're like, all right, he can he can do something here. Um, but if the market is going to give you running back, high running back two prices in the top half of running back twos, you have to move them. It's not even like a, you should. It's like you have to. He was fun last year. He had the sixth highest opportunity share amongst all running backs, 13th most carries in football, and the dude only played 13 games. But that's really where the fun kind of ended. He struggled for most of the year. He had three straight weeks of running back one finishes and then didn't have a a single running back one finish the rest of the year uh, after that last one. He is likely going to get the volume again, assuming the Texans don't draft a running back, which I do think is semi-likely, at least a, a pass catching back, a spell back, uh, some, but somebody who is going to take away, you know, some of those touches. He was getting, you know, top 15 uh, snap share last year. I don't think that repeats this year. And he's very limited in the passing game. He's 27th amongst qualified running backs and receptions, 26th in yards per outrun, 32nd in yards per reception. And unless he finds the end zone 12 times or suddenly becomes an efficient runner, He's unlikely to be a super consistent fantasy performer. Even looking at last year, you know, he started the season off with two sub 10 point games and then rattled off 18, 25.9, and then 20. And then it just slowly went downhill from there. It was 15 and a half, then it was 14, then it was 13 and uh, some change, then it was 12, then it was three, and then it was four. And then he 
12 and 11 and then his season was done. But I mean, again, he just wasn't efficient for most of the season. He was 23rd in yards created per touch, 47th in both true yards per carry and yards per touch. He had the ninth most stuffed runs in football to go along with extremely low yards per carry one, exactly one yard per carry in shotgun carries and under center carries. His PFF rushing grade is really strong. I will, you know, I'll give him that, but it's a little bit deceptive. He was a sub 60 graded runner in five of his last six games. Like he, he had a big stretch that really is booing him. And I think that's what a lot of people are failing to realize. And that's why you need to contextualize everything that we're looking at here. But if you can pivot off him into either draft capital, he's currently roughly equal to a late 23 first or a 24 first or into one of those aforementioned players like a, a Dallas Goddard, who's a top five tight end, in my opinion, a Jared Goff, who's a solid quarterback too, to have in your super flex spots, Christian Kirk, who I have as a top, you know, top 25 wide receiver uh, next year, more than likely a Chris Godwin, who we, and, and Hollywood, who we've both talked about on these episodes here. I almost see no way it doesn't end up in a positive outcome for you. And that's not just looking at next year, but that's long-term as well. You know, he's, he didn't have a huge workload in college. He showed signs of wear later on in the season last year. I, I think it's, it's just best to get out while you can, especially because I do think there's a pretty high chance that they bring in somebody in the draft. If you can buy Godwin or Hollywood for Pierce, do it immediately. Exactly. Like <laughs> immediately. It's not even like a thought in my mind and people will like, people will get upset about that. But like, let's look at Chris Godwin real quick. Just an example, a guy who we always talk about is perpetually undervalued. He has never, he hasn't had a points per game lower than what Damian Pierce had last year since 2018. Your team is going to be better by having these wide receivers who produce at a higher rate versus a running back who is probably on a bad offense. Even even if they bring in, you know, say they they end up drafting C.J. Shroud or you know bringing in uh, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis at two, and they bring in say J.S.N. at twelve if he falls there, go you know, a, you know, a wide receiver later on in the draft. Still not going to be a good offense. It's going to be a rookie, rookie with installs. It's going to be a rookie who, you know, is going to have growing pains throughout the year. The wide receiver is going to take time to learn the offense. Uh, you know, you're going to be supplanting vets. You still don't really know who the tight end is in the offense. The offensive line still got some questions. Like, it's just not going to be a good offense. So he's not going to find the end zone 8 to 12 times that you need for those fantasy points that he needs to make up from not catching passes. Not to mention he had, like, a 10% drop rate as well. So he it just doesn't have good hands. You just got to get out of these guys while you can, especially when they're being offered for guys who very well could have top 24 uh, seasons at their position as a wide receiver or Jared Goff, who could sneakily be a top 12 quarterback or, or Dallas Goddard, who could sneak into the top three tight ends. Like there's just no reason to, to hold a guy like Pierce if you can get that in return. If you can't get something like that in return and you feel comfortable holding him through the draft, you're, you're confident he's not going to get replaced. We may see an upswing in the value again. You know, his peak value was about um, six months ago. Um, not really six months, but around that range. You know, he's lost about 1,000 points and keep trade cut value where he was once valued as like a top 12 running back. You know, maybe he can get back up there again, but I think the likelihood of that is very small. So I'm pivoting off of him if I had him anywhere. The one league I did have him in, I traded him in a package and got back like the 107. So... You know, you, you can make something happen with him and it's just best to get him completely off your roster, in my opinion. Yeah, I had a few I had a few takes on this. Um, I think you're right to sell him right now 
because of the fact that he's an RB2 at best, and RB2s are the easiest position to replace in fantasy football. But there's also something to be said about the fact that he does score RB2 points. So the idea would be for me, I'm not saying not saying this is a definite, but would be to get rid of him now if you're able to get a package or get get the return in which is being described right now. And then look to acquire him later for maybe a second round pick or something like that when uh, any sort of momentum dries up or camp reports, things like that. Because if he doesn't get replaced, I believe he'll be a, a low-end RB2 where there is still value. But with the return that, that you can get now, absolutely. like it's It's no question. A couple other things is I think a lot of his big games were buoyed by longer runs. And I don't think that you can expect that to happen all the time either. So if you're okay with getting like 11 points per game uh, average, where he'll probably have 16 point games, or probably have six point games, where something kind of falls in between, I think that you would could be okay or happy enough to have him. But if I'm getting um, a, a, a total different tier wide receiver, I'm doing it. Or I love Goff. Um, I understand that he, the Lions may at some point move on from him but I also think that he gets another job somewhere as well. Too. Yeah, exactly. If, if so. Carson Wentz is still getting jobs, Taylor Heineke is still getting jobs. Jacoby Brissett is still getting jobs. Jared Goff isn't going anywhere. He's yeah. going to be and, in the league for five or six more years. And Pierce is my, my RB's 26. So he's not even for me, a, 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 or I'm sorry, an RB two. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there aren't points when he can score like that. And that can be beneficial, but, to go and get a return that's that's super good i'm i'm in there's just there's so many factors when it comes to running backs where so many of them are are they're not talented enough to be considered producers but they have enough of a role where they can't be considered roster cloggers but they basically are because if there yeah. isn't a market for you even to move them in your league they're roster cloggers and pierce is teetering on that edge where for a while you could trade him for a first but in most leagues, he was probably like 201, 202, which you could have traded that 202, 201 for a first anyway. Yeah. So there's kind of, it's just kind of finicky at this point. But yeah, I'm definitely down to move him, get that value, find a way to either acquire a different RB2 or see about inquiring about uh, trading for him later in the offseason or closer to the season. I wouldn't even be surprised if after you move Pierce, he gets moved again um, in your yeah. leagues. We want to minimize the mid, guys. We want. The least, the least amount of mid-tier producers on our rosters as possible here. And that's just what I view him as. If you can upgrade that into an asset that's worth something, you just got to do it. And with that being said, thank you guys for listening to us this week. We hope you guys enjoy the NFL draft, which is going on the night this video is posted. So hope you guys have a great time. Uh, make sure you hop into our Discord. Like we said earlier, link is in the description down below. Every single Sunday, we have our underdog live stream, so make sure you check that out. Watch us do some best ball there. Make sure you use code JWB when you sign up with Underdog Fantasy for up to a $100 deposit match. Every Monday, we have the mock draft live streams and Q&A sessions with Skylar and typically with a guest. Every Tuesday, you get your standard Dynasty Digest with Skylar and Wyatt. You get our episode every single Thursday, and then you get uh, All Things Rookies Digest uh, with, uh, with Tyler on Saturdays. Make sure you guys check us out on Twitter as well. You can find me on Twitter at Perry underscore FF. You can find Timmy on Twitter at nubs with two N's and two B's, as well as all things JWB at JWB underscore FF. And until next time.